welcome to the podcast of Broadway Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky, and the preaching of Pastor Daniel Osmond, a biblical church centered on Christ. Your Bibles, open them up to the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. You want to pull out your uh, bulletin as well, and you can follow along. This is a sermon here on what we call the armor of God which means we are going to be strengthened by the Lord. Do you need to experience the Lord's strength? Do we live in a day where believers need strength from God? Do you want answers to your prayers? Do you want to feel the presence of God against this onslaught of wickedness that everywhere you go, you're constantly getting hit? When I was a little boy, I loved baseball cards. I grew up collecting them. We would go to Big B Drugs. That was our local drugstore, and they cost 50 cents a pack. And you get like 15 cards in a little pack, and I have a little piece of gum in there. This is in the late 80s. And I, would have, I had thousands and thousands of baseball cards. And, and even I knew all the little card shops around Birmingham, Alabama, and I would get my mother to drive me to the different card shops, and I would take them there, and we would trade. We would uh, see uh, who... Uh, if maybe they had some cards I could buy for a couple of dollars and add to my collection. But then when I was 14 or 15 years old, it seemed like everything changes in 8th or ninth grade. You're, eight, you're in 8th or ninth grade, and then for some reason, I stopped. And I don't really know why, but I just quit collecting. You know, I would see the multi-thousand card collection here or there, and maybe go one more time to the card shop, get a pack here or there. But then, uh, they just... They just Quit collecting them, and they're, they're there. And then I remember, I was probably in uh, a couple years after that, they got moved to the garage, my, uh, my baseball card collection. And now, 20-something years later, I have no idea where they're at. And I had some valuable cards. I got this little magazine called Beckett Baseball Card Monthly sent to our house, and I would look up the prices of the cards. And I even had some that were graded cards. And... You, you had this, you spent all this time and money growing up collecting something, and then by the time you're in college, you don't even know where your baseball card collection is. I share that story because in many ways, for our Christian walk, that's what happens to us. There's a time in your life, you are so faithful to God. You are walking with the Lord. You're waking up in the morning, and you're spending time in prayer. You're spending time in God's Word here, our Bible. You're going to those Sunday school classes that these teachers were te- are teaching every week. You are actively engaged in serving at your local church you grew up in. But then just life and things, and you don't really know what happened. It wasn't one particular event. You just stop, and you look back, and you think, what, what on earth happened? At one point, I was so committed, and now I'm not. And I think we're going to see here at the armor of God, the Bible actually tells us why. It's because we have an adversary. The Bible calls him the devil or Satan. And he is literally shooting flaming arrows, or as some Bibles call them, fiery darts at us. And we don't even realize we're hit. We have no idea of the spiritual warfare, the spiritual battles all around us. We're blind and oblivious to it. 
And this morning's message is to remind us about the reality that we have an enemy that just like my baseball card collection, that's lost and who knows where it's at, your Christian faith could be the same way. Just sidelined, out of commission, non-existent, don't even know where your Bible is at your house. And the Bible is going to warn us about that. I spent all this past week with my in-laws, and I was talking to my mother-in-law, Miss Regina Coleman, and we were talking about, she grew up in Hueytown, Alabama, right outside Birmingham, and she was telling me about how when she was a little girl, that there was this local clothing store. They made the sinful decision back in the 60s, and they opened on Sundays. And I want to tell you, that sent shockwaves through the community. A clothing store opened their doors from 1 to 5 between church hours. 1 to 5, they were open. And people talked about it for weeks. People were boycotting the store. How dare this clothing store would open their doors on the Lord's Day? If you want to go buy your clothes, you go there six days of the week but not on Sunday. That was the attitude back then. Folks, that is un... And she said, this this was a major, major issue in Hueytown, Alabama in the early 60s. This was that big. And now, that would be laughed at. Why on earth would a store not be open? Only Chick-fil-A is not open on Sunday. Do you see how all of a sudden... Now we don't even think about it. That is an example of all of a sudden you have become accustomed and used to something. Something that was unheard of is now just, that's the norm. You do business, you go shopping, you go to the restaurant. It's Sunday, it's the Lord's Day. Here in your Bibles, it's going to tell us we have an enemy, and if we aren't careful, we're going to be hit. The message for us is the Bible is going to give us a sign. Last weekend, Sherry and I had the opportunity to walk down the Appalachian Trail. We went up uh, right there at the Tennessee and North Carolina border. And I did not steal this. I ordered it. I'm going to put this right here. Let's see if this will stay up. I might have to put it sideways, but we'll just have them laying down there if you can see that. If you were walking down, the Appalachian Trail is way up on top of the mountains, 2,000 miles long. You're, you're, it's deep in the forest. Now, if you or I were walking down the trail and we saw that sign, that is Bigfoot, by the way, if you don't know. If you saw that sign, you would laugh. That would be a joke. We don't actually believe in Bigfoot. You know, Bigfoot, he might be out there somewhere. And he probably is. He's somewhere, but most likely we're not going to see him. But he's out there. That's how you approach Bigfoot. Other people, the people in Texas might see him, but not us here in Kentucky. And I believe when we see a sign like this, we laugh, we think it's cute and funny. And I want to show you all here in the Bible. This sign, I even looked to see if I could order one. What if I swapped it out with a picture of the devil? And we put a picture of the devil. 
when you're leaving your driveway for the day. I think you don't have to leave your driveway. You just put it in your house. It's a warning sign. There, there, there's presence of the devil. There's presence of Bigfoot in this area. And you need to be aware. Because this is what's going to happen when you don't take the sign, the warning of the devil seriously. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. And finally, be strengthened by the Lord and by His vast strength. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil, spiritual forces in the heavens. For this reason, take up the full armor of God so that you may be able to resist in the evil day and having prepared everything to take your stand. Stand, therefore, with truth like a belt around your waist, righteousness like armor on your chest, and your feet sandaled with the readiness for the gospel of peace. In every situation, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Pray at all times in the Spirit, with every prayer and request, and stay alert with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. Pray also for me, that the message may be given to me, when I open my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. For this I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I might be bold enough to speak about it as I should. Tychonius, our dearly beloved brother and faithful servant in the Lord, will tell you all the news about me so that you may be informed. I am sending him to you for this very reason, to let you know how we are to encourage your hearts. Peace to the brothers and sisters, and love with faith from God, the Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be to all who have undying love for our Lord Jesus Christ. Our enemy is revealed right here. The scriptures make it very clear that we are to take our stand and use these eight different uh, ways for preventing attack, and not only that, using our sword, even going on the attack. Prayer is attacking and fighting against the devil. You know, even though the devil here, Satan, has been de decisively defeated, his future is doomed for the future. But listen, right now, he lives for the present. So his job is to, all of a sudden, sideline us as believers. Take us out of commission. Throw a sign up that we laugh at, that we think is so funny, that we make silly Halloween movies about. Yet the reality is, the Bible says here, we are fighting against this cosmic power of darkness all around us, no matter where you go, 
There is enemy attack against you, against your family. The devil wants to destroy your home. He wants to take your children and cause them to abandon their faith. He wants to have your grandchildren addicted to different substances. Any way they could, re- they could have the passion and desires for God be reduced, He's going to do it. That's what He does. He takes Christians and He throws, Bible says, fiery darts, flaming arrows, and they hit you and you don't realize it. You don't even know it. You aren't even aware. What is going on is spiritual warfare. It is taking place all around us. And I want to tell you, it occurs in the the mundane things of life. So here's here's what it looks like. When we, don't, when we don't take up the armor of God, when we are not strengthened by the Lord, and that's what the armor of God does. The armor of God, it strengthens us against the attacks of the devil. Because we know we're going to get hit. And you have to be able to take your stand. The Bible tells us here, in verse 14, stand therefore. So right off, he's saying you stand up. You don't sit down you're going to have to be prepared to take your stand. And I want to tell you, sometimes as a believer, you're going to find yourself in a lonely position. You're going to be making a stand alone. You'll be the only one in your home that wants to go to church. You'll be the only one in your home that is faithful to the Lord. You'll be the only one at your workplace or at your school this week that's going to youth group, that's coming and serving in church while there's many other things to do. Many things are open now on Sunday. But it's telling us as Christians, we're the ones who take our stand. So what does it look like when we don't take a stand? There's consequences for us when we don't take our stand. We find ourselves lying instead of speaking the truth. When you're lying, you are not taking a stand. Our speech should be truthful as believers. Not only that, we harbor bitterness instead of forgiving. When you've been hit, all of a sudden, you go around and you will become a bitter man, a bitter woman, because you are not practicing and extending forgiveness. You slander instead of pursuing peace. It's easy. When you've been hurt, it's so tempting to lash out. But the Bible calls us to pursue peace. Even when we're hurt and wounded, we always take the high road. We justify sin instead of repenting of it. You've sinned against the Lord, and you can make an excuse. You know, we live in a day you can justify anything today. The Bible tells us here in verse 12 that there are cosmic powers of darkness all around us. And you can justify what the Bible calls as wrong as right. We we live in the most evil and wicked time right now. And we don't need to justify it. Folks, it's wrong. Stores don't need to be open on Sunday. That's the Lord's day. And 
we can say, well, they need it for business, or we need to go out to eat. You just have to say, hey, it used to be actually illegal for stores to be open on Sunday. Could you imagine Lexington City Council passing a law that stores had to be closed, except for the fire department, police station, and the local pharmacy? They were the only ones in the hospital could be open on Sunday. People would laugh. That would be worldwide news. But the reality is, probably 60 years ago, that was a law here in our city. The Bible's telling us here, there's no reason for us ever to justify sin. Folks, we live for the Lord. We live by God's standard. We indulge our lust instead of loving God. Indulging our lust means we just do whatever we want to do. I want to tell you, the greatest, the greatest sign that, you, that someone shows that they don't know the Lord is actually when someone thinks, you know, I feel good about myself. I think this is going to be okay. When there is a confidence in yourself instead of God, that's a sign you don't know the Lord. Do you know these flaming arrows here the Bible talks about, they're coming to, to strike you. The devil throws this against you. So this is what happens when you get hit. You've been, you've been wounded and it's unknowing. You don't realize it because here's what happened. When you've been hit, all these things here I just listed occur. You begin to lie. You become to harbor bitterness. You start gossiping and slandering. You're justifying sin. You're indulging in lust. Not only that, your spiritual strength is sapped. You lose a desire to worship the Lord on Sunday. I want to tell you, if you didn't pop out of bed this morning and say, this is the Lord's day, it is a good thing to go to the house of the Lord. Let's, let's rejoice and be glad unto the Lord coming to his home to worship. If you don't do that, you, you're, you say, God, why do I have no desire for you? It might be because you've been hit and you're unknowingly. The devil has gotten you. Your desire for prayer dissipates. You no longer have the prayer life. Your song, we just sang wonderful songs here. Your song is silence. You don't have a song anymore. You're not singing to the Lord. You forgo fellowship. You, you used to have a Christian group of friends, but now for whatever reason, you don't. And you've lost that connection. And your taste for temptation, folks, it increases. You want more and more and more of what you used to believe and used to know was sinful. You're looking at this sign of Bigfoot and you think, what happened? What happened? But folks, it's not Bigfoot. It's the devil. That's what happened. This is why spiritual warfare is so dangerous for us. The Bible's giving us a sign and saying, if you aren't ready, you're going to get hit. The flaming arrows are coming. He, the devil destroys your desire. And you say, how does he do it? Look at verse 11. He says, you're to put on the full armor of God so you can take your stand against, look at this word, 
the schemes, the schemes of the devil. Do you know what a scheme is? A scheme it means you've been dubbed. You fell for it. It's a bait and switch. You thought what you were doing was right, and in fact it was wrong. And the Bible's telling us we need to make sure we are prepared for this battle. The highest point in Kentucky is in Black Mountain. It's in Harlan County, and it overlooks the little town of Lynch. All right, who has hiked up Black Mountain? Ben Biddle has. Congratulations, Ben, one person. All right, Ben's hiked all the way up there. Now, Black Mountain, it is 4,139 feet. When you hike to the top of Black Mountain, there's actually a radio tower. That's what's up there. That's what, they, that's what you find when you go on top of any mountain. But antennas everywhere. Now, this is in uh, overlooking Virginia. It's in uh, eastern Kentucky. They're in southeast Kentucky. And that would be a fun day trip. You get up one Saturday morning. You ride down there a couple hours. You put your hiking shoes on. Pack you a picnic. Bring your book back or your backpack. And you hike on up the mountain, take you a couple hours, take some pictures, look for snakes, look for Bigfoot, have your picnic, look at the radio tower. And then that afternoon, you'd hike down the mountain, little trail there. And then you get in your car, and you come back to Lexington and get ready to go to church. That's what you call a day trip, 4,139 feet. And your hiking shoes your picnic blanket, and your, your, just your little water bottle, that would be sufficient. That's all you need for your Black Mountain hike. And if you came to us and said, let's go to Black Mountain and go spend the day in the, wild, in, in the woods, I'd love that. Many of us here would enjoy. That would be a fun trip to go to the highest point in our state. But... No preparation would be needed except just a couple minutes that morning grabbing your stuff before you run out the door, making your sandwiches. And you'd have all your supplies for the day. Now, if you came to me and said, Pastor, we're going to go hike Mount Everest this Saturday. We're going to go up there. It's in Nepal in China. And we're going to go hike the mountain. It's 29,032 feet. And the last... 4,000 mile, 4,000 feet is what they call the death zone. When you get over 26,000 feet, that's where everybody dies because it's pure ice. You actually have to use an ice pick going up. Like there, you can't use what we have. But if I was going to Mount Everest and I packed my hiking shoes that I use for Black Mountain, my picnic basket, my little water bottle, folks, I wouldn't make it. In fact, they require you now in Nepal. Before you go up Mount Everest, you have to show that you've already climbed a mountain that's at least 19,000 feet just for you try this one at 29,000 feet because so many people die. And there's only a small window in the month of May that you can even hike Mount Everest because the weather's so terrible over there to even do it. You have a small window to even get up there. And when you get to 26,000 feet, you only have 12 hours with your oxygen tank to get to the summit at the very top because it is so cold, negative 22 degrees, and there's so little oxygen, less than 40% oxygen for you to breathe, that you don't make it 
and you'll run out oxygen. So there's a small window for you to go up into what they call the death zone at the number five base camp, the, the last one before the top. Now, if you're going to go do that at Mount Everest, and you're showing up with your hiking shoes, and you're showing up with your picnics basket, there's a 0% chance you're going to make it. Folks, and I want to tell you, our life is like Mount Everest. We need the right supplies for the journey God has us on. But some of us are going on this Mount Everest hike, Mount Everest climb, and we're packed like we're going to Black Mountain, Kentucky, and we can't make it. And we're wondering, why can't I get to the top? I can't reach the summit. I'm not experiencing the power and the presence of God. You need the Lord's strength. The supplies He gives, He listed eight supplies right here for you to get to Everest, the top, to have that vital, vital relationship with the Lord. And I believe what's happened a lot of our life, we're going up the right mountain. We're on Mount Everest, but we are not effectively supplied for the journey. And folks, you're getting hit. The weather, the freezing coldness, the ice, all the, all the opposition is causing us to stall out spiritually. And God is speaking to you this morning. And He's saying, you need to be strengthened by the Lord. You need to have the right supplies. You need to have the right gear. And the Bible's giving us all these examples here of the correct gear that we need for what we're doing. So how do we take action on this? Bible tells us He listed eight different items for the armor of God. And then most importantly, in verse 18, he tells us that we should be praying at all times. Folks, if you don't pray, you're telling God, instead of praying for this, I'm going to hope for this. Don't miss that. When you fail to pray about something, you're telling God, I'm just going to hope for the best. Hope for the best? What does that mean? We don't come here hoping for the best. We plead and cry out to God. Bible tells us in verse 18, pray at all times in the Spirit with every type of prayer and request. I mean, we just call and cry out to God. God wants us to be totally dependent upon Him. He meets all of our needs. He supplies us for the journey. He makes us get to the top of the mountain. And the Scripture's telling us you need all of these things so you can make it because you're not going to make it. And secondly, our second step of taking action is there will be lonely seasons. When you take a stand, the Bible tells us in verse 14, stand therefore. God brings moments in our lives when he have to, we have to stand alone in difficulty and testing. Stand alone. That's something in our spiritual life we cannot be totally dependent upon other people expecting them to guide us along. And you might be here this morning and you are standing alone. Your spouse has died. Your family no longer is interested in church or the things of God. You feel there's been unanswered prayer. The people at school that you know, some of you are starting school this week 
and you're going to dread it. And the re- real reason why is because you know what's going to happen Wednesday. You're going to have to listen to all that stuff again. Hang around all those types of people. And the summer is just a break from what you've had to deal with all last year. You go back to work, and here we go again. People complaining, people cussing, immorality, garbage everywhere. And you think, God, here we go, another year of this stuff. And the Bible's calling you today. You need to be prepared to stand, including standing alone. Folks, when Jesus was on that cross, he was alone. Totally alone. He went to the cross for you and I. He died on the cross with people mocking him, looking at him. His mother was at the foot of the cross crying for him. But he was the one there, isolated up there. And having the armor of God, we take assurance that when you are alone, there is one person who strengthens you. Folks, that's the Lord. The very first verse we read in verse 10 said to finally be strengthened by the Lord. Listen, if you're finding your strength from your spouse, or you're finding it from a TV preacher or your pastor, folks, it's going to run out. Your strength, when you're standing alone, when you're getting hit with the fiery darts, when the flaming arrows are coming upon you, it's only the Lord who can hold you. It's only the Lord who can help make your stand. And this morning, I'm inviting, encouraging you. You look at the Bigfoot sign. You look at the sign of Satan. Folks, don't laugh. It's a daily battle. And there's nothing more. This new school year, this new church year that's about to begin, starting this week, there's nothing more that the devil wants to do is to take you out to destroy your home and your family. There might be some people here, families here that are in church this Sunday, and by the time school's out, and by the time college is out in May, they won't be in church because they've been hit. And I'm pleading and asking you and begging you, allow the Lord to give you the supplies for the right hike you're going on and you're on a Mount Everest hike. Allow the Lord to give you the strength so that when you're the only one at work and at school, only one in your family and at home, you will take your stand against the devil. This morning, the Lord is speaking to you. He's asking you, will you put on the armor of God? Will you take these eight tools that the Bible tells us to use and daily, when you wake up, say, Lord, You strengthen me. Help me take the reality of spiritual warfare seriously. I want to be a man. I want to be a woman that's going to be praying at all times. And in verse 18, it says here, stay alert. Do you know what that means, stay alert? That means you never let your guard down. Some of you are so alert about when you go into maybe... Uh, uh, go shopping at night, making sure you're walking to your car, making sure you have your gun ready, your house is secure, your doors are locked, making sure you got security cameras all around. And the devil's laughing. 
He's thinking, that's not your enemy. The enemy is this cosmic forces of evil all around us. In many ways, your enemy might be at home. It's coming through the TV. It's coming through the internet. It's coming through your phone. And you've let your guard down when you're, when you're just in the mundane things in life. And that's when you're hit. I'm going to invite everyone to stand up. We're going to respond to the Lord. God wants us to be strengthened by His power. I want to tell you, our church points people to Jesus. This is a Bible-believing, Bible-singing church. And if you need a church home, I want to invite you to come take. Brother Herb, why don't you come stand out? I didn't see you back there earlier. You come, come up here and stand up here with me. We're going to have our invitation. It's time to get saved. It's time to be strengthened by the Lord. It's time to make Broadway your church home. So we're going to be singing here in our songbook, hymn number 544, Have Thine Own Way, Lord. Brother Herb's going to be singing right here. I'm going to be singing right here. We're going to respond to the gospel this morning. David? Uh-huh.